Recently, while I was over at work, I don't know what he's talking about, but somebody made a comment, well, Jesus, he wouldn't tempt it like we are. We go through a lot more than he did. So I thought tonight we might look at uh, the temptations of Jesus. He was tempted like we. Maybe not the specific, uh, not the specific situation that we're tempted in, but he was still tempted the way we are in the general sense. <clears throat> and, uh, we find, uh, we find, uh, the temptations in, in Matthew chapter 4, and then also Luke chapter 4, and also Mark chapter 1, which just briefly tells a little bit about Jesus' temptation. So we're going to read that in just a minute, but a lot of things happened before the temptation of Jesus. He was about 30 years old when he was baptized. So before his temptation, we had John the Baptist, forerunner of Christ, his, his birth, Jesus' birth. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, and then we will get into, which leads us up to the temptation, uh, which was around 30 years old. You know, that wouldn't really open that happened. And so I, I would like to first look at uh, uh, the birth of John. If you'll get your Bibles and turn over to Luke chapter 9, or Luke chapter 1, and uh, let's look at verses 9 to 20. Luke chapter 1, verses 9 to 20. <clears throat> and this is going to uh, talk a little bit about John's birth, John the Baptist at that time. Starting there at verse 9. According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went to the temple of the Lord. And when the whole multitude of the people were praying without, without at the time of incense, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now we know, uh, uh, John's mother and daddy was, uh, uh Zacharias and, and Elizabeth. Elizabeth and Mary, mother of Jesus, were like cousins. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for, the, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. They were both old, uh, past the time of childbearing. Verse 14, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, and he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall Drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the Lord, their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias, or Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 18, and Zacharias said to, to the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am old, I'm an old man, and my life is well stricken in years. And the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel. You know, there's just two of them mentioned in the Bible. Um, and stand in the presence of God. And I am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be done. 
and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not in my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. I won't finish out the rest of the story there about how John, it's his name, you know, Elizabeth, Daniel came to her and said, well, his name's going to be John. And according to tradition and what they did back then, they usually named their kids after the father, so it's going to be Zacharias. So that's when Zacharias got his speech back. And then I wanted to turn up, turn over to, uh, A little bit more about that. Yeah, turn to Matthew, uh, Luke. In the first chart, I want to read, let's look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. This talks about the temptations that Jesus went through. And also Hebrews 4, chapter 14 and 15. So Hebrews 2, 17 and 18 reads, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in, in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is unable to succor them that are tempted. And then also look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, Jesus, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Or confession. Verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So that's the big difference between us and Jesus. He was tempted, but he was tempted without sin. Mm-hmm. Now if you'll turn over your books to uh, your Bibles to Luke ch- uh, Matthew chapter 4, 1 to 12. Mm-hmm. And we'll be reading that here just shortly. We're looking at the early life of Jesus. We looked at the the birth of John. And I'd also like to look at uh, the birth of Jesus shortly, or quickly here. And we'll look at uh, that being chapter. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and read that uh, Matthew 4, verses 1 to 12. This is talking about the actual temptation. Matthew 4, verses 1 to 12. And we'll look at the three three of the Gospels here and see what each of those have to say. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward of hunger. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, 
If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone. Verse 7, And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again the devil taketh him up into an exceedingly high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. And then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now I want to go ahead and read verse 12, because now when Jesus had heard that John, this John the Baptist, was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Remember, John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. And they both proclaimed the same, same thing. They said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, John the Baptist. Jesus also uh, said, uh, the same thing. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn over to uh, Mark now. Now this is... Uh, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 15. Now, there's going to, we won't get into the temptation until the latter part of this reading. The beginning of the gospel, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, before thy face which shall prepare thy way before the torment. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. <coughs> John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized, baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair, and with a girdle of skin around his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me. The last of whose shoes I am not worried to scoop down and loose. I indeed, verse 7, have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and went baptized John into Jordan. And straightway, coming out of the water, he saw the heavens open, and the Spirit, like a dove, descending upon him. Jesus. And there came a voice from heaven, saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then immediately the Spirit uh, driveth him into the wilderness. And this is where Satan is going to tempt him. Verse 13, He was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan. Now I was trying to figure out uh, some different words. Uh, no, King James uses the word devil in some of our uh, gospel hymns. Devil, Satan, liar, Man of Belial, uh, in other words, tempter, and you can probably think of some other, other terms that can be used for, for the devil. <clears throat> now after that, John was put in prison, and Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. 
The reason I wanted to read this is because all this stuff that was happening before he was tempted, you know, John the Baptist, you know, he told old Herod that it's not right for you to have your brother's wife. And so this was partly the reason that, you know, Herod beheaded him because of his wife, you know, and daughter death for him and he had promised them and all this and that. And what they wanted in that promise was they had to John the Baptist. So we're looking at the early life of Jesus beginning with his ancestors and going through his time in Egypt. You know, after Jesus was born, uh, the angel of God kind of told him, go to Egypt because uh, Herod's gonna, going to try to destroy the Son of God. And, you know, the way he did that, you know, kill all the babies two years and under that we know. And all these events put Jesus right in the middle of history. He's not imaginary. It's not a fairy tale. He's real. Uh, he, he was a living, breathing human being. He was made flesh as we are. Uh, all that we have seemed to seem to afford reminds us of that. Uh, even though Jesus was God, he was also fully human. You know, that's kind of hard for us to understand, but you know, that's why we can say he was tempted as we are. He was God, but he was still tempted because he was made in the flesh. He was made man. The Apostle John describes it this way in John chapter 1, verses 1 and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory that God, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So he was fully God, yet he became fully human. However, for the Son of God to experience what every human being faces, he had to be Satan head on. And that's where these temptations are going to come from. He had to deal with all temptations that come from the enemy of God, or Satan, or the devil, that we see here mentioned in the scripture. Jesus had just been baptized by John, and when, when that took place, God placed his blessing and approval on Jesus by sending the Holy Spirit. Appearing as a dove, so affirmed that Jesus of Nazareth was indeed the long-awaited Messiah of God's people and the people of Israel, uh, as well as the rest of the world. So uh, he had been looking that they'd been looking for. However, before he could be seen as fully human, he had to pass a severe test, the temptation that the devil gives us. He had to face the same temptations that we face and that we fall for. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we said before, Jesus was tempted, but in him no sin was found. When God made men in the beginning, Adam and Eve had given in to Satan's temptations. How will Jesus handle these temptations when Satan throws it to him uh, in these events in, in that we've read, read, read recently? Turn to Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 14. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 14. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, or Spirit, returned from Jordan. 
and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward uh, hungered. King James. Or he was hungry. New King James. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus said to him, saying, The men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. That's also found in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. You know, he quoted that, that scripture, to the devil. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power or authority in King James will I give thee, and the glory of him, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomever I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Uh, the pinnacle of the temple is one of the high points of the temple there in Jerusalem. And I read that it was 600 feet uh, down to drop to the ground. So, you know, if you threw him off that pinnacle, he's indeed probably not going to live. Uh, so he sent him on the pinnacle of the temple and he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from him. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. We knew Jesus could call up angels if he wanted to. And in their hands, verse 11, they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to it, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season, or for uh, you can tell the opportunities, other opportunities to tempt. You know, just like we are. It's like the tips of today. Always looking for opportunities to tempt us. And Jesus returned in the power, verse 14, of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region uh, round about. And this is uh, where he returned to Galilee, you know, and the other the other gospel account there is because he found that John was cast into prison. He always soon would be beheaded. <clears throat> the test of our status with God. Satan begins by suggesting Jesus is not all that he claims to be. He begins with, yeah, that was a little too out of word, yeah. He said this twice, verse 3 and verse 6. If you are the Son of God, the first thing is just kind of whispering in our ears uh, that we're not really good enough. He's telling Jesus he's not, you're not good enough. You're not, you're not just, you know, put that, that doubt in his mind. If you be the Son of God, you remind us of all the times that we have let the Lord down through our selfishness or anger, or whatever the sin might be. And this is the same beginning point in the first two temptations of Jesus. Satan loves to pull the rug out from under us, reminding us that we have not lived up to the Lord's standards. He's trying to undermine our confidence, not in ourselves, but in our God and His promises. 
John chapter 8 verse 36 reads, So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. One thing Jesus relied on, and we can rely on too, was the promises of God concerning his work and mission. We too can rely on God's promise that we are free from the chains of sin. And that equips us to face the temptations of Satan or the devil throws at us. The temptation of the flesh, uh, you know, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life are the three temptations mentioned in Scripture. After 40 days in the wilderness of Judea, Jesus, he must have been hungry. You know, I don't know if we could go 40 days without eating. Uh, I can barely wait for lunch, even though I have had a big breakfast this morning, which was only cereal. But, uh, so recognizing Jesus must have most basic need, food for sustenance. Remember, he still made man flesh. Satan attacked there. He's vulnerable there. Satan has used a similar tactic with Eve. And then he used a similar tactic with Adam. You know, when the, the fruit, so not, he the fruit of his evil, uh, only fruit they couldn't eat of. And it didn't work perfectly. It worked in spite of the fact that they had plenty of food in the garden of Eden. From those, uh, from who knows how many trees, grains, fruits, and so on that they had to eat or pick from. Now the devil trying to do similar temptation of hungry Jesus. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3, Jesus answered by quoting God. Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. And Jesus reminds Satan, he bolsters his own resistance against this temptation by quoting the word of God to Satan. The devil knows these passages. He knows who Jesus was. He knows who God is. Jesus is not instructing Satan on biblical principles. Instead, he's reminded of what God has said. We don't turn to the scripture to prove Satan wrong. We turn to them to find the resources we need to resist the devil to resist that temptation that he, that he throws our way. Of all lessons we need to take from the temptations, this is, this is, this is one. If Jesus needed to know and quote the words of God to resist sin, how much more do we need to do the same? Now that's where we, that's where we, you know, said that we need to study and to read God's word, to know what it says. Then we come to the temptation of pride. Satan's next attempt to seduce Jesus in the sin is to test him or tempt him by asking him to prove himself by throwing himself off the temple mount, that pinnacle. Satan even uses the Bible to bolster his faith. Don't be surprised if Satan and his followers know their Bibles or what is said in the Bible. Well, it will use him to confuse you and seduce you. As Peter warned, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught, the unstable, distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures, to their own destruction. You know, we have a lot of that going on today. Thinking about the different 
You don't do it on the basis. Satan twisted the meaning of Psalms chapter 91, verses 11 and 12, to mean something that it didn't. Once again, Jesus corrects Satan by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. Chapter 6, verse 16 of Deuteronomy. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massa. Once again, uh, we see God, uh, Jesus, resisting that temptation of, of the devil. It's not a matter of testing God's promises, but relying on Him and living in the confidence that God's going to keep every promise that He's made. And Paul so tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, No temptation has overtaken but such is, as, is, as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not fall allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide a way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. God will take care of us in every situation, every temptation. As Jesus taught later in his sermon on the mount, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31, 32 to 33. Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We don't need to test God by expecting Him to keep us from doing foolish things, like leaving off the temple pinnacle. We just need to trust Him that He can keep us safe and provide us in all, all situations, all temptations. That is what Paul is referring to when he spoke of the times in Roman, when he was in the Roman jail. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. I know how to get along with uh, humble means. And I also know how to live in uh, prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned that the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering and suffering need, and I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Things were not wonderful or even comfortable for Paul. And while he was in the Roman custody, even though it was uh, Roman custody under house arrest most of the time, yet he had learned to rely on the Lord, even though it was a and he was facing an uncertain future concerning his own life and his own death. To many, they want to test God today. They expect God to make everything smooth and easy. And we know it's not going to be. They believe they serve God. They observe His commandments. They do what He says. And their life will be good, blessed, and comfortable. But the Lord never promised that. And Jesus said in, in John chapter 15, verse 20, If they persecuted me, 
They're going to, they will cheat. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. You know, and even today in our culture, you know, while we may not be under severe persecution, but we are persecuted today. And I think it's in the coming time that that's going to happen more so. Just the way our culture is going. They're headed. Continuing that verse, if they keep my word, they will keep yours also. John chapter 15, verse 20. The Apostle Paul adds, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. The truth of the matter is that we live the right, if we live the right kind of lives, as Jesus did, as Paul did, we will still suffer and experience hardship, even in the United States. This was the test of Satan. On, this is the test of Satan on the Lord. If you are, if you are the Son of God, he said it twice, verse 3, verse 10. That is how Satan prays his temptation. At first of all, it implies Jesus may or may not have been the Son of God. Satan will do the same with us. And he will say, if you're a real Christian, then you would, you know, do this and do that. You can fill in the blank. Because it is not what Satan asks you to prove. It's what he tries to tempt you into doing. The real test is, are you going to play the game or this game? Jesus quotes the word of God later. He will point to the works and miracles that he performed. You know, Jesus performed. And they still kill him. They still crucify him. You know, he's only 33 years old. His ministry was about 30 was baptized, had a ministry for about three years, and then they killed him and murdered him on the cross. And the Jews asked Romans to do that. We can point to the Word of God and we can live good lives. And still people will criticize us, saying, You call yourself Christian, real Christian. And again, in that sentence, any way you want. It makes no difference to our critics. <coughs> All that matters is that we resist the revealed word on the, and we rest on the revealed word of God and trust Him to bless us in every circumstance as He sees what's best for us. We come to the test of power. We looked at crime, we looked at the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the test of power. Satan's final test seems all too real in our world today. The devil shows Jesus the nations of the world and offers the Lord dominion over all those lands, those peoples, and countries. Imagine having the whole world at your feet. You know, this is what Hitler was trying to do. And some of the others that we know in our, in our modern days. Every king, every president, dictator, uh, autocrat, aristocrat would do your bidding. Every nation would do as you direct. Too many think we could handle such power. And that's exactly what Satan's offering. Offering Jesus. Jesus answered them. Jesus answered there in Deuteronomy chapter 13 and Chapter 10, verse 20. You shall fear the, you shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship Him 
and swear by his name. You shall fear the Lord your God, and you shall serve him, and cling to him, and you shall answer by his name. The only power we need in this life is, is uh, Jesus, the Lord, Lord, Lord God. And then whatever dictators, presidents, congresses, or media, or even geniuses will make uh, our decisions for us, we will let God be our guide and make our choices and values on his, his life, his values. This temptation to govern the world is not limited to political power. It can be extended to the power of money. You know, and Paul warns us about that in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. <coughs> the desire for power is found in many places, not just world community. It's found in the desire to boss others around, even in your workplace. It is found by cutting corners to make money so we can we can party on Friday nights or the weekend. It's found by lusting after all the fun the world is having around us. Sadly, this fun is our television sets and our magazines, fully exposed in our films. And uh, I don't think you can think of casinos. You know, just about every every hour there's some kind of casino commercial. You know, they take them old people and retired people and buy truck busloads to, to, to steal their money or tell them that they're having fun. Power over them. Too many still hunger for the power to enjoy life. And no matter how God feels about our choices, we're not looking to God. Be careful of this last temptation because it creeps into our churches. And John said in 3 John chapter 9, I wrote something to the church by Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. And even the church leaders, Paul, pray to the desire to have power. They seek to run the church. They existed in the first century, and they still exist today. And we can see that by a lot of these scriptural churches have gone off into another way because Maybe one of the leaders wanted more power. <clears throat> and this desire for pride corrupts too many families. Where a parent dominates a spouse and their children with intimidation and fear in order to have his way or her way. That's why Paul warns us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Father, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline for the admonition and instruction of the Lord. Parents are not dictators. They're guides. They're leaders. They're decision makers who shoulder the challenge of raising godly children and in, in a godless world. Do not be t- tempted to fall prey to Satan's tools to raise your family. And we can see that from a lot of things that's going on in our, our culture today. Uh, that all those drugs coming across the border from Mexico. Well, why are they coming? Because children want it. 
I guess it gives them a high and makes them feel good. In different ways, different things like that. You know, the schools want to teach based, based on, uh, you know, race, race surveys and, and things like that. They're using our schools to, to intimidate or, or tempt us in our decisions we make with our children. Unfortunately, in closing, as we know the above, all of us have given into temptation and fall short of the glory of God. And I'd love to tell you that serving God will keep temptation at bay, but it's not. We're still going to have temptation. But the temptation of Jesus is just the opposite. Jesus was sinless, but he still had to face and resist sin or temptation. However, following this example and relying on God's plainly taught principles, they're going to equip us to fend off the temptations of Satan. So let us learn his word and resist the devil's tests or temptations. And then we do that by reading, reading the word. We're going to stand and sing our, our invitation. What can what?